<laughs> I'm speaking to Mitch Brackman, who's a vocal trainer, a very talented singer in the metal band Decidia, and also the love of my life. <laughs> Can you give me a harsh vocal? <laughs> now the other type? <laughs> what about some beautiful golden tones? Not today. I think there's always worry about wrecking your voice, but one thing that you have to remember is that you're born with one voice, you don't have replacements for it. It's not like a guitar where you can go and get it restrung or, you know, realigned or anything like that. Voice is something that we all have. We have one from when we're born to hopefully when we die. And you can absolutely wreck it. There is no doubt about that. 100% you can wreck your voice. Through good technique, those sorts of things are avoided, though. How can you wreck your voice? Like, if I wanted to ruin my voice, what would I do? I don't think I want to tell you that. A lot of my younger students sometimes come in and they've just made out with Nirvana for the first time. And they come in and ask if they can learn how to sing like Kurt Cobain. So what I tell them to do, which probably isn't very appropriate, is I say, go away and do heroin and uh, drink a lot and ruin your life and come back and see me in five years and you'll sound like Kurt Cobain. So you teach harsh vocals. So you basically teach people to sing, speak and scream. And the idea is that you're teaching them to scream in a way that's not going to ruin their voice. Is it controversial that you can even do that? Apparently, I'm a, one of the only people in the world that actually teaches this. I beg to differ. I think there are a lot of people out there that do teach it, a lot of YouTube tutorials and so on. But I teach harsh vocals, I think, because it's a market that a lot of young people in contemporary music styles want to do. And if they want to do it, I should teach them how to do it so they don't ruin themselves. How do you reckon you ended up being a harsh vocal teacher? I guess that comes down to like the amalgamation of music that I listened to when I was growing up. I started off, I guess you could say, my mum was into a lot of rock and metal music, so I took that away and formulated my own tastes and enjoyments, and I think that somehow led me down the road to being a music teacher, or a vocal teacher, and I think one of those weird niches in something like harsh vocals is really interesting to me, especially seeing as that not many people do do it. There's not a lot of written technique there. It's a lot of self-experimenting, just knowing what where, where your boundaries are and where your limits are. Are you maybe part of the group of people that are making up the rules and the limits and setting the boundaries? I don't think that people are making up rules necessarily. It's more of like a biological thing or an anatomical thing. Those rules are made up by your body. You just need to have a good understanding of sensation and when sensation get when when sensation moves over the line from being um, discomfort to being pain. Cool. So you basically show people how to be hyper aware of their throat and all of the bits and pieces in there and yeah, it's just it's all it's all kinetic linking. It's it's moving. Your your body is the instrument. 
do do you reckon maybe the better you get at being in tune with your body, the better your instrument gets? I think so. I think that the older you get, the more understanding and control of your own body you have. Therefore, the better your technique gets. I have a lot of younger clients and younger students that are quite good just intuitively, which is exciting to see what they'll turn into when they, you know, get a little older. Because if I was that good when I was their age, man, I'd be like, even better. Cool. What about your oldest students? My oldest students, well, it's it's hard because sometimes they have chosen that they would like to do music later in life and they have no platform to kind of jump from. So we start from day dot, which can be frustrating, but because of the fact that they're an adult, they understand the concepts and techniques that go behind doing these things a little easier. But it can also be very frustrating. I, I quite often get a lot of older clients come in um, sitting down for a first lesson with me thinking what the hell is this guy going to be able to teach me because I'm so much younger and alternative looking than they are but um, they tend to enjoy it most of the time. They've been speaking their whole life and do you think that gives them an advantage over someone that hasn't been speaking for as long? I just think the fact that they've been in their own body longer than a 14 year old girl has been means that they understand how to harness energy and kinetic flow and and, um, you know, just feel a little less worried about... They have less ego. Ego, I think, in a lot of ways is the one thing that stops people from doing something like singing. Shame and ego. How do you reckon that plays out in a young person compared to an old person? Young people don't want to look dumb. And unfortunately, having singing lessons or a huge aspect of having singing lessons at the beginning is making dumb fucking noises. How do you help people get over that freaky dumb factor? By being dumb myself and making lots of mistakes and dancing around and acting like an idiot usually breaks the ice and makes younger students feel more comfortable to do the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you ever teach a student for ages and ages and find that they can't really quite break free? and get into that silliness? I've had students for years sometimes that I still struggle with seeing each week because they're not loud enough or say, no, I don't want to do that song. Or, you know, I'll give them things that I 100% know will affect their voice in a positive way. And because it's not their style or, oh, I'm scared to do that one big note, they don't end up doing it. Therefore, they don't end up improving. Well, you teach mostly alternative stuff in rock and metal contexts, but you don't, you're not limited to that. You, st you were studying opera at the con before you started becoming a music teacher. How did that play out? So I studied uh, classical voice at the Elder Conservatorium of Music here in South Australia. Funny thing, actually, just like beforehand, I, I was more into visual arts going through high school. I'd started singing when I was about nine years old. After doing every other extracurricular activity out there that there was to be done, I'd been singing straight through from nine to, I think, what, 17, 18. Um, then we moved and went, uh, came to South Australia and I was going to go to university to do visual arts, but just being in Adelaide to put in my uh, registration for visual arts, I ended up putting in an application for classical voice because I'd been doing it throughout my teenage years. And I got in, so I just thought, screw the art, I'll go and do art with music instead. So I work in an institution at the moment I've been working f at for about 10 years. 
So in that time, in 10 years, you would have taught a whole kaleidoscope of random people. What were some of your standouts? I've more or less, let's let's put it this way, because I have students that uh, come for a few weeks and then leave and then come for a few years and then discontinue. So uh, in in the almost 10 years of doing this, I would have very well seen over a thousand people which is pretty cool and pretty exciting. It's obviously not as many if I was to be working in a retail job or, you know, um, you know, serving at a restaurant or something like that. But I have to spend such um, quality time with these people for either half an hour, an hour at a time, um, where I have to be very focused and on the ball, regardless of whether or not I think they enjoy what they're doing in the lessons or not. It's something that I think is really fun and it helps me understand how better to go about lessons like that in the future. Uh, although going to uni and studying voice, there was nothing that could have prepared me for going into teaching. And I think the only thing that's helped me learn how to teach is teaching. Yeah, so you, you start learning from the day you start working. Basically. I think there's a huge base knowledge that you have to have in order to go into doing something like teaching music. But yeah, you can go and study pedagogy you can go and learn how to be a music teacher but realistically who's teaching you how to teach music especially as far as far as something like vocals or, or singing goes yes there is a, a foundation and fundamentals in in how to do it and how to create good technique but there are so many sounds and so many feelings that music can give you that can't be put into words a lot of the time so i quite often use lots of abstract concepts and terminologies and sometimes it's just about finding the right stacking of words for the right student that make them understand what we're trying to work on and getting them to speak using words that describe music properly yeah i always say we've got to build our musical lexicon cool mm. who are some of your proudest students that you've helped on their way as singers that is a huge question because like i said i've quite easily seen over a thousand people I have a few super special standouts, um, one being uh, Ladybeard, uh, who I actually helped way early at the start of the decade, 2013, 2014. How would you describe Ladybeard's act? <laughs> He's a giant wrestler with arms and legs the size of tree trunks that puts on Japanese schoolgirl outfits and dances around and sings uh, J-pop music and then all of a sudden bursts out into, like, death metal. <laughs> <laughs> and he's made it big in Japan. I thought it was such a wacky idea, but goes to show that Japan loves wacky things. So Yeah. Another person that I'm quite proud of and that I think was a big turning point in my teaching career was um, a friend of ours, Jade. So when I met Jade, she came in and had no knowledge about singing. She couldn't really sing super well clean. She couldn't do any harsh stuff at all. Um, it was a little bit of a scared bird, but she is not anymore. I've worked with Jade for a few years and taught her how to use her harsh voice Quite quickly she uh, got the hang of that and she joined a band called Freedom of Fear. She's kicking ass now. She sounds great. And you also taught my little brother before you and me even met. I did. I taught Joshy. And he didn't know how to sing. We never even heard him sing around the house. And then he did know how to sing. He was singing very well. Well, he must have been singing in secret. He must have been. I think a lot of my students sing in secret. 
I think a lot of family members don't even know sometimes that they're going to voice lessons throughout the week. Cool. Some of my students lie to their partners and don't tell them that they're going to voice lessons. So I get really upset sometimes. I think, why not share that beautiful joy and, and passion with, you know, a partner or a family member? It's so personal and intimate and sensitive. Why do you reckon? It's very, very cardinal. It's very, very, very close to us. I think this is something that I say to some of my students when they're worried about singing. Back 100, 150 years ago, we didn't have TVs or radios. We used to get home at the end of a hard day of fucking melting steel or some bullshit that they used to do back then and go home and sit next to their piano. Any household that could afford a piano back in those days used to have them. And that was their entertainment. At the end of the day, a family would get around the piano and they would all learn how, they would all already know how to read and write music. They would all sing and play and enjoy each other's company. So how have we gone from that 100, 150 years ago to this now, where we can't even sing in the car with our best friend in fear of being, you know, sounding crappy or, or, or having too much shame about it. It's hard for me to understand because I'm obviously on the side of the fence where I want to share my voice and my passion with music with other people. It's like people have been given an ego in their throat over that time. Ego is bad for singing. Actually, I take that back. Ego is fantastic for singing because you need to know you're good if you're good. But you can use your ego to help you sing, I guess. Is that what you're saying? You, you need ego to be able to sing because you need to be that guy or gal up on stage saying, fuck you, I'm doing this. Everybody's looking at me right now. Mm-hmm. I'm the most important one in the room, right? You're the, you're the shaman. You're the witch doctor, right? Yeah. You're telling the story. That right. brings me to another question about, um, well, yeah, being the front man as a singer. The singer is always inevitably going to be the, the foremost visual experience of a band or, you know, if you're listening to a song and there's a singer in it, you're not really primarily listening to the music behind it, maybe on a second listen. So I beg to differ. I think there are some sorts of musics that um, don't necessarily keep the singer in um, the biggest framework. Personally, I actually hate being the, the centre of attention in the band. With with my band, everybody is uh, so knowledgeable and, and so skillful at their instrument that they should be just as much in the you know forefront as I should be. But like it or not, a singer is the most immediate experience of a band. I think the reason f- for that is because it's the most accessible instrument. Everybody has a voice. Not everybody has a guitar strapped to them 24-7. Not everyone can walk around with a drum kit. Because everyone can sing because everybody can speak. Everybody can sing. Do you believe everybody can sing? Unless you've had a some sort of egregious accident that stops you from doing so, I think everybody can sing. In varying degrees of skill set, but yeah. I think everybody can sing. Not everyone's a good singer. Yeah, correct. Can everyone be trained to become a good singer? To a certain extent. I still think that uh, biology and anatomy has something to do with that. How big or small someone is, so on and so forth. I know that you've taught people who've grown up in bad circumstances and conditions, for example, where they've been like neglected or in a neglect abuse situation, and that's affected how they've been able to be a student in a in a learning context as a singer. Trauma has a lot to do with um, how comfortable people feel to do something like singing. 
because like we've discussed, it's so cardinal and so personal that if somebody has experienced, you know, really extreme trauma in their life, it's hard for them to be vocal about anything. Yeah. So it, it comes from, one comes from the other. I think if people are very outspoken, a lot of the time they are going to be comfortable with singing. I think if um, people have trouble uh, explaining their experiences in the first place, they're going to have trouble with singing. Mm. Need to be vocal. Yeah, well, what, what does it look like in a lesson when someone can't do it and they're struggling? Well, that's when music lessons or singing teaching kind of turns into a, a therapy of some sort. It, 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 in a weird way, is music therapy. Sometimes I just have someone sing a song and ask them how they feel about it afterwards. Ask them what they thought the song was about. Ask them if it made them happy or sad. And those sorts of things can be just as important in music teaching. If I have a student that is having trouble learning for one reason or another, I'm not going to sit them down and talk to them about modes and, and how to do really intense vocal tricks. I'm going to sit them down and talk to them about how how they feel when they listen to music. And strip it back to that very base level. The base level is feel in the first place. Does, is that the same for all age groups? I mean, like a 60-year-old versus a 6-year-old? Absolutely. I mean, in obviously in varying levels of difficulty. I love sitting down with students and just asking them how that song made them feel. Whether they be a fantastic singer or not so fantastic, it's still great to listen to what different thoughts people have about the same music. And that can probably take up like a chunk of a lesson sometimes but it's probably just as much of a lesson as singing the whole time absolutely right? it's just as important if not more important in a way it's... we need to be able to find an emotional connection with the song in one way or another to get the right sort of product that means you've got a lot of connections with a lot of songs over time right yeah i i know lots and lots and lots and lots of music do you reckon that's what you needed to know before you went into the job anyway? No, not at all. I think the fact that students come in and show me new music all the time helps me keep my finger on the pulse. It keeps me young. So when other young students come in, I already know what they want to ask me to do. And I seem like a really cool guy. Like cool. like that I know all of the music, but, but lo and behold, only like, you know, four hours ago, someone came in, you know, that was the same age and asked me to do the same song. <laughs> all right. Well, you say that the teaching you've been able to do and your knowledge of music has come quite a bit from the amalgamation of stuff you built yourself up as, as a kid. What types of music did that involve? Wow, that's a, a really simple question. It's actually really hard to answer. And this is something that I, I ask my students a lot of the time. First lessons, I say, so what kind of music do you like? And every single time I watch my students' eyes widen and they stare at me like a stunned mullet for a minute because uh, for some reason when I ask them to list off some of their favourite bands, they go completely blank. It's that waterfall effect. You ask somebody about something they enjoy and they think about so many things that they can't pick one particular one out. How do I even put What it? are the types of things you learnt first as a singing student? Even if you didn't choose the songs? It's a good question. I actually hated a lot of the music that my first singing teacher gave to me to sing. But after a few years of lessons, as my voice started to kind of become more masculine, 
I started doing a lot of Michael Bublé stuff, and that was actually a really nice turning point for my voice. It was just after my voice had broken, I had started doing some Frank Sinatra as well, uh, the crooner stuff. It really helped develop my voice into what it is now. I think realistically what it did, though, was it, it made me understand that men can sing music in a sultry way, just like women can. And that was really fun. I've never thought about that. Yeah, it's a... Uh, think about Frank Sinatra. He was a giant douchebag, man. He just used to walk around with a big glass of whiskey and a cigar and sing <laughs> and womanize. You see a womanizer. Definitely. He was a mafia dude. Oh, God. Yeah. I didn't know this. But anyway, Michael Bublé was something that really helped me come out of my shell a little bit more as a singer. And I've actually passed that on to quite a lot of my... Uh, young male vocalists and it tends to help them as well it's just a nice bass for I think a tenor voice to sing which is your voice yeah I'm a what you would call a lyrical tenor cool yeah so you were what doing like Disney before Michael Bublé yes actually I did do some Disney music the very very beginning when like I said when I was nine and I started um, I actually have a story about that. If anybody's aware of something called the Estedford, it's a, like a music competition that goes around Australia and, and to all of the rural spots and the major cities. And they have age sections and um, genre sections and whatnot. One year, I cannot remember the year, I entered in the Estedford. I think I was maybe 11 or 12. My song to sing was Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King. So Disney song. I was having a real hard time remembering the word vagabond, which is a, a word in the song, because I was like, what the fuck is a vagabond? I know what it is uh, now, um, as a 29-year-old, but I didn't back then. I remember being up on stage in a giant theatre auditorium, and there are adjudicators that sit and uh, write notes and give you a score, because there's first, second, third, and honourable mentions that you can win. I got up, went to sing my song, got up to the part where uh, Kings and Vagabonds... And then the Kings and Vagabonds... It's been a long time. 20 years. That's disgusting. So I uh, got up to the Vagabond part, and I forgot the word, and on stage, in front of a lot of people in the auditorium, I went, fuck, as a, as a 10 or 11-year-old, and then kept going. I remember at the end of the section, you know, of the genres that would be being performed, uh, one of the adjudicators would get up and say one sentence about each performer. He, he did say, could performers r refrain from uh, swearing on stage? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> because obviously being in an auditorium um, with acoustic treating that slander echoed <laughs> throughout the halls and the adjudicators heard. So I still got an honourable mention. So you started on Disney, you went in, in through a bit of Michael Boobs. Um, how did you end up being a singer in a band that is known as one of the most brutal and heavy sounding prog outfits going around? Okay, so that's another little anecdotal story. I started playing in bands in high school, I think maybe in year nine or ten, 
and that was an experience which was really cool. First time I actually started playing in a band and, and, and I, I had never done so before. Everybody started playing together and you couldn't wipe the smile off my face because I just wasn't aware of the fact that people could actually play music like that together, especially young people. I was like, what the hell? We're all like kids. How are we doing this? It was really fun. So that, I guess, was kind of like a jolt of lightning that ran through my body and this, this was at school. This was in uh, music lessons in school, like high school, yeah. And I was in a couple of different bands in high school. I was in a cover band um, in high school, which was reasonably popular, and we supported the Butterfly Effect, which was really strange, um, just in my hometown in a little pub. When we moved to South Australia, I went to the con, uh, where I met Corey and Neil and Liam, and we formed a city out. It's, yeah, it just was written from there on. Corey and Neil and I worked together at the music school, which was pretty cool for the students that were coming to get lessons because basically, more or less, a whole band was teaching at a particular music school. So that was really fun. I got to see my besties every day and then go home and see them there and then go to band practice and see them there, and it was great. And over time, they've kind of gone off onto their own things, but you're still there. Yeah, I'm still there, still teaching. Most of the guys, I think everybody actually from Decidia is still teaching in their spare time. But, you know, we've got some guys working in music stores and so on and so forth. There are some people that are really fanatical about your band. So it would be cool coming in and seeing the whole band at the music school, but... If you were all there now, it'd be even more so. Like. It would be cool. It was cool back in the day because it was an accessible opportunity to come and see people that were in a band together teach at a place. And you've been able to speak from your own professional experience, like from having success as a singer, directly to your students in real time who are watching you go through all of that and kick goals and stuff in front of their face. Yeah, well, fun thing about being in a band... Um, and, and teaching at the same time, because that's my day job, guys. Like, I teach, and then my evening job is being in a band. I don't do anything else. One of the fun things is being able to go on tour around the country um, and then come back to my students, and they're all excited, wanting to hear stories. And, you know, my students don't get salty when I need to go away for a couple of weeks because they know what I'm doing, and they know that I'm going to come back with lots of fun things to share and chat about. You know, it's exciting for them just as much as it's exciting for me. You actually do it in a really cool way because when you tour, your band does a weekend here, a weekend there, so you're coming back for weeks in between each sort of spot and you get to update people as you go, kind of. Yeah, I just come back and teach throughout the week and then on a Friday um, or a Thursday night, we just saddle up and jump on a plane and we're in the next state. It's quite hard for uh, bands to tour in Australia because... We're obviously so far away from each other in each major city. It's not like America where you can drive, you know, 12 hours and be in six different states. How do you manage yourself as the singer in the band? Is there any sort of formula you have for making sure that goes as well as it can? I mean, what do you tell other students that ask you, how do I navigate being the singer boy? Wow, that's... That's such an interesting thing to ask. I've never been asked anything like that before. But I guess I speak to my students about it all the time because I have quite a lot of students that are lead singers in bands. When you get to the point of being in a band and you're comfortable in being in that band, things start to just flow. If things aren't flowing nicely, you know that you're not in the one band that you should be in. 
realistically what I what I tell students is leave your ego at the door but also like sneak a little in in your back pocket right when they come in for lessons because they need ego they need to be able to stand there and, and command the sound but they also need to be humble because the music doesn't serve us we serve the music Thank you.